Today we have two readings. The first is 1 Corinthians 9:24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And now John fourteen eleven through 17. Jesus said, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, uh, Thanksgiving week. Who likes Thanksgiving? Anyone like Thanksgiving in here? I, I think it's the best American holiday. I love that. I think it's very good. I've actually got some very patriotic shoes, and I have to take these off to show you. Uh, these were made, so um, there was, where we lived in Ohio, there was uh, one of the teenage girls in our church family. Uh, she was very creative, and she started a business where she would uh, make you custom shoes. And uh, with the profit, she gave those to charity each month, and it had quite a big impact upon her school. Uh, so she, I got some custom ones. So she made these for me. They got uh, the Union Jack on one side. On the other side, they got the Stars and Stripes. So um, the, I thought it was very appropriate for today for Thanksgiving. I'll put them back on to bless the front row there because you won't want my feet off doing that. Um, and this weather, oh my goodness, it's amazing. I love California. <laughs> I'm so deep. <laughs> We were at Huntington Dog Beach yesterday. We had some great friends in from Oklahoma where we used to live, and so we went down there and they had the dogs. We were having a lovely time. So if you were driving down Pacific Coast Highway and your eye was distracted by a bronzed Adonis yesterday on the beach, that wasn't me. But it was lovely down there, so we love it. It was like 80 degrees, amazing. I love living here. It's awesome. Anyway, it's nothing to do with this talk, but I just thought I'd share that with you. Um, What we are doing is uh, we're wrapping up a series we've been in looking at the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is a section Paul writes about in the book of Galatians. And we're at the end of the list of nine. And today, it's that the theme is self-control. Self-control in particular, I want to think about why Jesus wants us to be people, men and women, boys and girls, who have self-control. And um, this idea of self-control, often I think we will conflate with being disciplined, living disciplined and orderly lives. And actually, I want to take it a step further and think, think uh, through this filter of uh, how we can be people who live with perseverance and faith, how we live with perseverance and faith. Let's just start like this. 
You know, it's easy to coast through life in a kind of free-form manner, uh, without a lot of structure in how we operate, how we live. And so, for instance, um, a good example of that might be an athlete. Uh, if you want to be a successful athlete, you have to have discipline, self-control, and order in your life. Uh, I, I love soccer. And in England, when you go to watch a soccer match, you get a lot of chanting and, and songs that the crowd sing. And if there's a particularly chubby player on the field of play, there's a song which goes, Who Ate All the Pies? Uh, it literally goes, who ate all the pies, who ate all the pies, la, 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 la. I can't sing the next two lines because they're too rude for church. And then the final verse is, you ate all the pies. In fact, here's a photo of the sort of player they would sing it at. So something like that. It's normally a goalkeeper because they don't get to do too much running around. So uh, a lack of self-discipline there. Um, uh, we, you might have discipline or, or self-control expressed in your life through your morning routine. And uh, you might, like me, have read articles and books about having a disciplined, structured start to your day to set yourself off on a, on a sound footing. And there's a lot of wisdom uh, within that. Uh, maybe uh, another area you might have, have discipline is in setting life goals. And that's something which Hannah and I have done, and we've done, uh, we led a retreat for some folks uh, in another church a few weeks ago, a weekend, looking at this. And that's been very fruitful and beneficial for us, and it gives you some sense of direction to your discipline and your self-control. Uh, it's this biblical principle you see uh, flowing through quite often of how we are called to sow before we reap. Uh, you know, there's so many opportunities we have in life, so many uh, things that are there which are good, but also so many impulses which can distract us and tear us away from what our focus should be. Um, uh, a great example of that is, is actually I look at our dog, Molly, and uh, she's fantastically well-trained until she sees a squirrel. And here she is. Hannah took this photo. She sat for 15 minutes in our backyard staring at the street because there was a squirrel that she chased up there, which was stuck, and she just adored it and uh, gazed upon it for a long period of time. Uh, and I think often we could be a bit like that. We kind of go, squirrel, and get distracted um, in, in how we live our lives. So we need to become people who live with self-control, who live with discipline in our lives, because we're not dumb beasts. Paul wrote about that in, in Corinthians 9, which we heard first, read first of all, and uh, he talks about the fact that, you know, that he has an athlete who will, who will exercise self-control in all things in order to focus on the prize that's set before them. Uh, when you read the book of Proverbs, you'll find there's lots of wisdom there about how we are meant to be living uh, with self-control and with discipline in our lives. Here's a few examples for you from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 29, verse 11. It says, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Uh, and then further on, a fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. So that's one example of self-control. In other words, don't just rise to the bait when you get wound up or annoyed by someone. We need to exercise discipline in those scenarios. Proverbs uh, chapter 3, sorry, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. So sometimes, you know, it's, it's better to just keep quiet. Uh, don't just blurt out everything the first thing that comes into the front of your mind. Uh, another example, Proverbs 25. I love this one, verse 4. If you find honey, eat just enough, too much of it, and you will vomit. <laughs> Do you know that was in the Bible? That is in the Bible. It's a great verse, good wisdom there. 
Uh, then it says the next verse, seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you and he will hate you. Which again is good wisdom in there. So, so we need to be people who learn to exercise discipline and self-control in all areas of our lives. Proverbs uh, sums it up like this uh, in chapter 25. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. If you lack discipline, self-control, it will limit you hugely. It puts a cap on what God can do through you and through your life in every aspect of how you live. To be effective and fruitful for dis- sorry, say that again. To be effective and fruitful for Jesus is both a gift and a choice. It's both a gift and a choice. And the choice part, one of the aspects of that is that we choose a life of discipline, of self-control. In other words, we live with perseverance and faith in all the different arenas God places us in. Now, the Bible tells us that we are called to be people who walk by faith and not just by sight. And what that means is that there is an unseen reality which is greater than the seen reality. I'll say that a different way. Um, There's a greater reality, the reality of the kingdom of God and God's eternal principles, the spiritual realm, which is very much unseen around us. But it's greater and it should define how we operate in this physical world, in this physical life. And God calls us to be people of perseverance because that won't all get worked out at once in our lives. It's going to be a journey and a process to do that. So what I've noticed Jesus does in the area of self-control, in my own experience, I don't know if this is what you have found, is that Jesus will pick on one or two areas at a time and he'll really drill down into them to try and get me to change, to get me to develop, to grow and to flourish. Uh, And so he will identify something he wants to work on. Or maybe what he does is um, he'll just call me to a season of discipline in one aspect of my life. Uh, So, for instance, it might be fasting. He might call you to fast food or or something you love to do. Uh, Lent is a classic time we might do that, but it can happen at any time of the year. And he's installing some discipline in one aspect of your life. And the reason he does that is both for the benefit of itself, but also what he's trying to do is give you breakthrough in one area. And when he gets breakthrough in one area, you, you get a change of mindset. It's like you start to see this, the greater spiritual reality there. And that gives you authority and greater faith for other areas of your life. It's like that victory in what, that one small area will start to transfer across into other aspects of your spirituality and how you live in life. That's one of the reasons God calls us to these, these sense of seasons of spiritual discipline. So it might be fasting, as I mentioned. It might be uh, you're, perhaps you're experiencing unfair criticism. And uh, God says to you, you're not allowed to defend yourself. You have to entrust your reputation to me. Or maybe uh, it's a season where you find yourself in less than ideal circumstances. Some situation in life you're, you're not happy with and it's not wonderful. And God says to you, um, okay, I want you in this situation, every time you think about it, I want you to turn to thanksgiving. You're going to choose the discipline of being a thankful man, a thankful woman in this situation, even though it doesn't feel like it's something you're hugely thankful for at all. So God does things like that in order to get us breakthrough. And by cultivating that discipline in one area, it then will start to infiltrate into other areas of our lives. Anyone ever had that? Does that resonate with anyone here? 
Anyone raise their hand? Does that resonate at all? Okay, so I'd encourage you to be aware of that because that's one of the things that God is doing when he calls you in one area. It's not just that one area. He's working on a variety of them. Um, I remember uh, when I was, I don't know, eight, ten years into church leadership experience. I was probably early 30s then. And we'd gone through a really difficult season with the church, really. A lot of junk had happened, and we kind of ended up being on the the sharp end of a lot of um, hostility and difficulties. And um, there was a much older leader for me who was giving some input into my life. And he encouraged me to read a book by a guy called Robert Clinton called The Making of a Leader. And in that book, what it talks about is how, uh, particularly in your earlier years, uh, in your 20s and 30s very often, what God's doing is he's giving you experiences. But what, is, what, what he's really about is he's shaping your character and there was this thing which this leader said to me, which, which the book talks about as well, which is um, often in those seasons, God's not really all that bothered by what you actually do. What he's really looking at is what you're allowing him to do in your heart. Because God's playing a marathon with us. He's playing the long-term game. And at first I was a bit offended by that because I thought, well, I'm doing all these wonderful things for you, Jesus. Uh, don't they count? And yeah, they do. But actually what God's really interested in is, is in my heart, is in your heart. He wants to shape us and mold us. And uh, I think that plays into the theme of being self-controlled and being disciplined. And what Paul was talking about, that having that focus on the prize. Because God is intent on transforming you so you look like Jesus. He wants you to look like Jesus. But it's a lifetime's journey. And so he's going to play it over a lifetime's length. And so often, he'll do things which seem to us seem to be taking forever. Oh, Lord, will this season ever end? But in his perspective, it's just a tiny blink of an eye. He's working us for the length of our lifetime here on earth, but also preparing us for an eternity in heaven with him. Now, when we talk about uh, self-control and discipline... Uh, the danger is it could sound like lots of rules and lots of kind of law. And the thing I want to remind us of is that with Jesus, it's always about grace. Everything's driven by grace. In other words, it's not about rule keeping. So when we, when we read these passages, when we think about this, it's not about us getting to a place where we go, oh, look at me, I'm so disciplined and I'm so self-controlled. Because that's a new form of being a Pharisee. That's a legalism. That's not how Jesus lives. So Jesus is clearly doing something else when he calls us to be disciplined and self-controlled in how we operate. And I'm going to suggest today that that's our second reading. So if you turn back to John 14, have it open in front of you, because you probably want to check this as I'm reading it, because you're going to think I'm making this stuff up. So Jesus says, verse 12, I think, is the key verse. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me would also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. So I don't know if you notice that. Jesus, Jesus wants to say, us to understand this. He's, he want, he's saying, you can do what I've been doing, these, these works, and more than that, you can do greater works than these. Have you ever wondered what that verse means? I mean, it's an amazing verse. Just so we're clear, the word greater in the Greek here, is actually a word that means quality, not quantity. 
So we can't kind of cheat and go, oh, well, it's because there's found millions of Christians and together we do more stuff. So clearly that's more than Jesus did. No, it's not, it's not saying that. He's actually saying you will do greater in quality works than I did. Hands up if you think that sounds a bit blasphemous, almost, of his. If anyone else had written it, we'd kind of count it as heresy. But Jesus says it in the Bible. Clearly, he's not talking about salvation. So just so we understand that. He's, he's not saying that we're going to do... He's not talking about the cross here. So that's, that's separate. I think what he's talking about here is, is the miracles that he's doing, these works that he does in the context of John here. The works of the kingdom. And it's almost like this. Jesus, I think, is wanting us to grasp that you and I were created to exercise kingdom authority and power. It's like this. Jesus wants to entrust so much more to you than you've realized and to me. There's so much more he's got for us than we've ever tweaked. I think a lot of the time we're blind to that. We, we, because what happens is we get so caught up in this physical world in which we live in the day-to-day, we're unable to take a step back and see the greater spirituality realities that, that should shape and frame how we think and operate. And then he kind of doubles down on this, verse 13. Uh, what, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Then, because we're a bit dim, we don't quite get it, he says in verse 14, he repeats it again. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That's incredible. I mean, think about it. You can ask Jesus anything in his name, and he says he'll do it. So what's that all about? Because probably we've all had times where that's not worked out like that. So, so what's going on here? What's Jesus trying to, trying to say? And then he says, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So he immediately ties it into this thing of if we love him and, if, and, and as, a, as a demonstration of our love, we are obedient. We do what he says. And then he, he wraps it in with this whole context of, of being people of faith. For instance, verse 11, believe me, that I'm in the Father, or else believe on account of the works themselves. And he goes on to talk about faith as well. And it's like this. There's this flow of authority that Jesus is talking about here, from the Father to him. And then Jesus says, in the same way there's a flow of authority from the Father to me, I'm also allowing this flow of authority to go from me to you. In, in other language... You could say that we are empowered to go as Jesus' representatives. In 2 Corinthians 5, it ends by talking about we're Jesus' ambassadors. We go in his name with his authority to represent him fully. We, we, we are the representatives of the kingdom of heaven wherever we go, in our words and in our deeds. We carry that full authority and we have the power to back it up. And, and as I've been thinking about this, for a while, I'm, I keep thinking, why? Why does Jesus want to do this in us? You know, it's not just enough to say, what does Jesus want to do with us? We need to think, why does he want to do these things in us? And, and I think it, my tentative stab at trying to nail this down, I think it's going to be, it's not an easy thing to wrestle to the ground, is it? But I think it's this, Jesus 
so wants to live through you that he wants you to be someone who is, is an atmosphere changer. He wants you to be a climate changer, a, a culture creator by who you are. Um, let, let me put it like this. I think often we get very focused on what we can do for God or, or how we, as we go through life, you're evaluated, we are evaluated on what we do. But above all else, Jesus wants you to become a sort of person who, by the very person you are, that's what changes the world around you. Yeah, you're going to do some great stuff for him, but actually who you are is what's going to really impact people's lives. That's what Jesus is trying to do in us. He's trying to shape us and mould us so that when you walk into a room, the, the climate in that room changes like that. When you have authority in an organisation, an institution, you change the culture by who you are, just being there. Uh, in case you're struggling with that picture, have you ever been with someone who's a real kind of negative, grumpy sourpuss and they kind of come into the room? And have you noticed how the atmosphere in the room changes when they start opening their mouth? You know, in fact, they don't even have to open their mouth, just their presence. It's like static electricity comes off them and we all feel grumpy because of them. Have you ever been with a person like that? Or someone who's full of fear or, and it kind of infects the room? Or alternatively, when you've been with someone who comes in and are just full of joy, and it kind of effervesces over the whole room. And, and I think that's a picture of how we're meant to be. If we, if we become men and women who have this awareness of this greater spirituality of the kingdom of God, and that's internally within us, really getting a deep grip within us by us pursuing Jesus, by us taking the issues of, of being a, of discipline firmly, uh, we're, we're pursuing a disciplined life which is really embracing the, the kingdom of God, then what will happen is that will overflow in how we live and how we operate and in who we are. As we go about life, as you go into work and, and to the store and with the family at Thanksgiving this week, including the difficult relatives you don't want to see or the difficult in-laws you don't want to see, whatever it is, um, but you will live in such a way that there's something completely different about it. You will bring a different reality to bear into that physical environment. I don't know about you. I, I used to, for a long time, wonder um, what's, what's the greatest mark of someone who's a real godly man or woman of God? What, I don't know what you, if you know what the answer is to that. And if you're going to evaluate someone and you go, wow, they really are like close to Jesus... I don't know what you'd have evaluated it by. I think for a long time, I would have said probably something like, uh, they get great answers to prayer, which I think is a pretty good stab at an answer. But actually, as I've thought about it more, I, I think that's not the ultimate mark of someone who's a man or woman of God, the, 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 kind of the highest level. I think it's this, it's that they are a climate changer. They are a culture creator by who they are. They're who they are. It's, like, it's almost like Jesus has walked in the room when they've walked in the room. I don't mean that in a blasphemous way. But they so carry the kingdom, they so carry the presence of God with them that, that they change the environment by who they are. I don't know about you, I want to be that sort of person. Let me try and uh, land this plane. I know I've kind of been off on a bit of a ramble here. 
Um, here's a few couple of quick thoughts for you as we try to land this. Sometimes God wants to do something through you, not something for you. Sometimes God wants to do something through you and not something for you. In other words, as we follow Jesus, it's not all about you. I think often we can think it's all about us and you know, my needs and my issues and my stuff. But actually what Jesus wants to do is he wants to do something through you. He wants you to be the person that he can send as his representative to the different places where he's placed you. And that, yeah, by your deeds, definitely, but also by who you are, you will change that place. You will represent him beautifully and wonderfully well. And so um, what that means is uh, we need to be people who embrace what Jesus calls us to. We are people who, um, who have hearts which are really submitted to God's will for our lives. And we're saying, Lord, I, I, I'm committed to being a man of discipline, of self-control, who pursues you. And, and, and um, I, I want to see more of you shaping my life, whatever the cost. And so as we think about this issue of being self-controlled or being disciplined, I just want to remind you, um, don't neglect and don't disdain the small things because it's going to be in the small things that this greater thing is one. So God, there's going to be things that God's going to point out to you. He says, I just want you to have a little bit of discipline in this thing. And you go, you mean that little tiny thing? And he'll go, yeah, that little tiny thing. And no one else will know, all right? But he's going to just call you to that. And my, my, my challenge to you, my invitation, and to myself, is let's, let's be obedient in those little things. Because as we're obedient to God in those little things, as we have a discipline, a, a perseverance in those little things that God calls you to do. Um, you know, be nice to your brother, or um, I say to my children, um, or, um, you know, just be a little controlled about how you're eating right now, or maybe it's an exercise thing, or maybe it's the first thing you do in the morning is not pick up your phone and read your emails. The first thing you're going to do is to stop and read the Bible. Or maybe when you're in the car and get in, the first thing you do, rather than turn the radio on or put music on, you're just going to take 10 minutes and, and pray. Or you're going to worship. In the car. Or it'll be, it's going to be little things like that, which by themselves don't feel that significant. But what God's going to be doing in those is he's, he's bringing a greater level of discipline into your heart and of obedience and of love for him. And what he'll do in that, as, you're, as you see a bit of... Uh, faithfulness in that one little area who'll start to open your eyes to see the greater spiritual reality that you're tapping into, the reality of the kingdom of God. And that will start to give you greater impact as you live your life, as you represent Jesus wherever you go. So it becomes this cumulative thing that builds up over a lifetime. And so my encouragement to you is um, be faithful to God. You know, over this next month as we prepare for Christmas, the Advent season, be a man or woman who, who says, yes, God, I'm going to be obedient to you in the little things and trust and have faith that as you do that, um, Jesus is going to be so working in you that he's going to be preparing all sorts of amazing things for the future that will flow out of that. Okay, does that make sense? Hello, all right, someone was awake, thank you. 
Very good. So I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll pray for that now, because I've rabbited on. So um, uh, I would like to pray for us and for myself uh, that we would be people who would embrace these little disciplines that God puts into our life. And it's not out of legalism. It's not out of trying to be Pharisees. It's because as we live like that, amazing grace will flow into us and it will open up all sorts of incredible opportunities for what God wants to do through you um, as we become more and more people who, who are climate changers wherever we go. So if you would like that, I'm going to invite you to stand with me now and I'm going to pray over us. So if you'd like to be someone who says, yes, Jesus, I'm going to pursue this path of discipline and the little things. Don't stand if you don't mean it, by the way, because that's hypocrisy and lightning bolts will zap you. All right? So only do it if you actually mean it. So Jesus, we hear your words when you say, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. And so, Jesus, we, we don't fully understand the depths of that. We, we confess that, but we, we say we, we see something there which we go, wow, that looks incredible. How do we embrace that? How do we access that? How do we see that come, up, come about in our lives? And um, we wonder if part of that journey into that is, is being people who are faithful to you in the little things, and entrusting you with the big things. And so, uh, so Lord, like um, we, we, we read earlier from Paul in Corinthians where he talks about the focus of the athlete and disciplining ourselves for the, for the greatest spiritual price, something that's of lasting value. Uh, we, we say, please, would you help us to be faithful in the little things that you call us to, whether it's something to do with our bodies, something to do with our calendar, something to do with our attitudes, something to do with how we are responding to others, something we do with our money, something we do with our priorities, something in in a relationship. Whatever it is, Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to hear and to put into place simple disciplines. Not out of a a guilt or a duty, burdensome thing, but because we know that's the way to life, by being obedient, being in love with you. Thank you that um, one of the marks of, of our love for you is obedience. So we pray that you'd give us grace to live like this. Thank you, Lord, that um, in that passage in John, it it talks about uh, your Holy Spirit coming. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill each one of us now? Would you fill us so that we can take that next step closer towards uh, the kingdom realities? That we can pursue our Lord Jesus more. We can look more like him in at least one more area. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.